Let's open with a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, we come before you tonight and we, we need your strength. We need your grace now more than ever before. Uh, Father, we know that Satan and his legion of demons have been waging war in the unseen realm for 6,000 years now, trying to take over this world and, and make it his own, ruling and reigning in tyranny. And, and Lord, it just seems like lately uh, that war in the heavenlies has come crashing into our visible world like never before. And we pray that tonight you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and uh, we pray uh, for wisdom and discernment. And most of all, we just pray that you'd give us the courage to stand in the truth, no matter what the cost. And uh, we know your, your word says your truth will set us free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we come to part three of, uh, of my series, What in the World is Going On? Just a couple of quick notes. Uh, first of all, you see on the screen there, uh, notbyworks.org. That's our website. And uh, all of the previous videos in this series, as well as a host of other information, including a large amount of accurate COVID data that I've had up there for a year now uh, and constantly add to it, are available right there at our website. Um, also want to mention, if you're in the Denver metro area or ever find yourself passing through Denver on a Sunday or Wednesday, please uh, come visit Plum Creek Chapel for one of our services. We have an awesome church and I just love our church and love our people. So you can find out more about us at plumcreekchapel.org. And then wanted to mention that uh, the information that we are exposing in this series, especially what we're going to be talking about tonight, is absolutely crucial. And I'm asking everyone to please, please, please share it far and wide on, on how, whatever mechanisms you can. Email it to people. Share it on social media. And uh, we appreciate that. And then finally, I wanted to mention uh, if you would hold your questions until the end, uh, that would allow me to get through as fast as I can all of this material and then also we can have questions indefinitely for those who want to and those who need to leave certainly can slip out. So here we go. Last week I opened with a couple of quotes from Bonhoeffer, if you remember, about how we must not remain silent. And tonight I want to begin with another well-known and very relevant quote. I realize this quote is a exceedingly overused, but it's never been more apropos than right now. Edmund Burke, 18th century Irish statesman, said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. We've been using as a basis for this series the biblical admonition in Proverbs uh, to be prepared. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. One uh, version puts it this way, a prudent, the prudent see danger and hide themselves, but the simple go on and suffer uh, for it. Paul tells us that we should not sleep as others do, but as believers we need to watch and be sober. So we talked about how we are on the brink, if you will, uh, the cusp of a return in God's plan of the ages to a globalist regime, and I laid the foundation for that in part one of this series, but for the last roughly 4,300 years since, say, the days of Noah and the, the uh, Tower of Babel, uh, God's plan of the ages has involved nationalism, and it still does to this day. Uh, but we know that according to God's word, it's going to return to a globalistic system uh, that will be led by Satanists at first, and uh, ultimately by the Antichrist himself after the rapture, but then 
uh, ultimately, praise God, by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, when God makes all things new and returns back to a one-world global system uh, in the millennium. And we said that right now the World Economic Forum is in the driver's seat. They're kind of the tip of the spear. And again, if you've not watched the first two installments of this series or listened to the audio podcast, I really encourage you to go back and do so because although each of these stands alone largely, they do kind of make a case theologically and in terms of geopolitical evidence and events and so forth. So I encourage you to go back and watch those. So I'm going to have um, you know, nine uh, parts in tonight's presentation. And the first one that I want to talk about I'm calling Playing God playing God. So let's talk some more about some of Klaus Schwab's famous quotes from his recent books, including COVID-19, The Great Reset. He said, advances in neurotechnology will enhance our cognitive abilities. We will become better able to manipulate our own genes and those of our children. He said, synthetic biology, synthetic, of course, meaning man-made, a creation in the laboratory, not something that naturally and organically occurs in real life. Synthetic biology will give us the ability to customize organisms by writing DNA. He goes on, neurotechnologies enable us to better influence consciousness and thought and to understand many activities of the brain. They include decoding what we are thinking in fine levels of detail through new chemicals and interventions, that is in the brain, that can influence our brains to correct for errors or enhance functionality. Now I can literally not think of anything more terrifying than the thought of Satanist Klaus Schwab and his Luciferian co-conspirators correcting my thinking to come into line with their thinking. But none of this should surprise us. The Luciferian elite have been talking about this for decades. I talked last time about transhumanism and, and, and even in session one about the transhumanist depopulation agenda. They want to kill most people on the planet and control who's left. But we could give many, many examples, but one uh, that I thought was pertinent uh, that I came across over the past week. Some of you may be familiar with the 2000, uh, September 2000 project uh, for the New American Century document called Rebuilding America's Defensive. These defenses. Now, Project for the New American Century is a neoconservative think, bank in, uh, think tank in Washington, D.C. It was started by uh, uh, Bill Kristol and Robert Kagan, and a lot of other key government officials uh, were a part of it. It supposedly changed names a few times and, and eventually shut down and has re been reborn in a different name. Uh, but back in 2000, they put forth a document called Rebuilding America's Defenses. Some of you may be aware of the famous uh, statement they made that year, one year before 9-11, in which they announced in order to usher in the new world order, we're going to need a new Pearl Harbor to change the way the world thinks. That quote's always been one that I've referenced in many other presentations over the last 15 years, but the one that caught my eye that I had not seen before from that same document, September of 2000, goes like this. Combat will likely take place in new dimensions, in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes. Again, this was more than 20 years ago. Advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to, watch this, a politically useful tool. And that, my friends, is exactly what is happening before our very eyes. And it's been happening for the last, particularly in earnest, five to, to 10 years. 
Uh, now, the term chimeric has been all over uh, the news. Uh, we are literally creating chimeras. Now, the chimera was in ancient Greece, a fire-breathing she-monster in mythology that had a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. But over time, if you look it up in a dictionary, it's come to mean anything that is part human, part animal. And so when you hear the phrase chimeric or chimera, it's talking about the blending and cross a genetic modification of various species so that we basically are messing with the human genome. It's essentially no different at the end of the day than what happened way back in Genesis 6 when Satan tried to mess with the human genome. But this one happens in a laboratory, and it's a factor of biology. Uh, God's Word tells us not to do that. God's Word says you shall not let your livestock breed with one another. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, and... Uh, so on. Uh, you know, kind with kind hybridization is okay, but cross-species hybridization is not. In fact, the primary reason God brought the global judgment on the world with the flood is because of this cross-species hybridization in Genesis 6 that we read about. Now, I've been hearing and talking about this for over 10 years now. I remember almost 10 years ago, doing a presentation which I reported that they had uh, crossbred spiders and goats. Now, I know that sounds absolutely bizarre, but look it up. And they're doing this through a technology called CRISPR, for short. It's an acronym that stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. And I actually spoke about this in 2016 when I was keynoting at a crisis pregnancy center fundraiser uh, with a Right to Life a group, but I came across this in Wired Magazine's August 2015 issue where it was on the cover. The cover article was called The Genesis Engine. The Genesis Engine. And it was all about uh, CRISPR. Now, CRISPR is a process that takes one strand of DNA and slices and dices it into another completely different plant or animal. And these are irreversible changes. It's not like, you know, plug and play where you can stick something in, see if you like it, and then take it out and try something different. These are permanent changes. And one scientist in attendance at a 2015 uh, conference in Napa Valley that was talking about CRISPR, which the Wired Magazine article reports on, said this, quote, these are monumental moments in the history of biomedical research. The cover article that I showed a moment ago said, no hunger, no pollution, no disease, and quite possibly the end of life as we know it. Editing DNA, they said, is now as easy as cut and paste. Welcome to the post-human world. This was in 2015. The article goes on to say, thanks to this new technique called CRISPR, editing DNA is now as easy as cut and paste. Ready or not, evolution is about to get an upgrade because it's not going to happen as they suppose naturally over 65 million years. We're going to do it ourselves in the laboratory. They said, quote, we now have the power to quickly and easily alter DNA. It could eliminate disease, solve world hunger, provide unlimited clean energy, and it could really get out of hand, they admitted. This technology allows geneticists to conjure up what they've always wanted, designer babies, literally playing God. That's not just my characterization. Uh, the article itself says this technology, this technique, quote, gives scientists godlike power to plug genes from one living thing into another. That's what Satan's been trying to do from the beginning, take over 
life. The one thing he didn't do, create life out of nothing, ex nihilo, he now wants to be able to do. He wants to be God. He's been trying to take over this world since he got kicked out of heaven. And he wants to have this creative ability. Now, we're not talking here with CRISPR about, you know, creating thornless roses or seedless watermelons. Uh, This is something entirely different and more sinister that has never before been done in the history of humanity. So let me give you some examples just to kind of set the stage as we're talking about playing God here for what we're going uh, to get to. These are some examples of genetic hybridization. Some of you may have come across these, uh, maybe not. Uh, But for example, they've created featherless chickens. It's all about money. It's much easier to you know, raise chickens for slaughter if they don't have feathers and you don't have to defeather them. They're also injecting uh, drugs, literally pharmaceuticals, into chicken eggs. And you don't even know today whether the eggs you buy at the supermarket, unless you're buying non-GMO, you know, free-range harvested eggs, you know, from the Ayers family farm or something, but the average uh, crate of eggs that you buy at your supermarket, are what they call pharmaceuticals, their word. It's a play on word, but, but it's pharmaceuticals because they are injecting drugs into eggs. Um, it it kind of makes me think of a new dish, chicken pharmazon. But anyway, um, also they're creating these huge muscular pigs. They call These are their words. They call these Frankenswine. Uh, and they're just like kids in a, in, a, in a chemistry lab at school just, you know, throwing stuff together and seeing what kind of explosions they can make. But um, they're also, uh, and I don't know what I think about this one, but they're trying to create low-fat pigs, and my mind goes, what's the point? I mean, the point of bacon and ham is the fat. I mean, if you had no, I mean, if you ever tried turkey bacon, not my favorite. Um, But they are splicing genes right and left, creating, for example, hornless cows, and uh, they're creating... Uh, cows that they call super cows that can cre- that can uh, tolerate more heat, um, but almost anything we ingest nowadays, food or water or air, is being tampered with. They're doing this with pets as well. They're experimenting on genetically modified dogs to create super muscle dogs as a test case for humans. Now China and South Korea are way ahead, well advanced in this area as they're trying to uh, create, uh, you know, superhuman soldiers uh, with instant massive muscles genetically uh, generated. But uh, we're also doing the same thing in the laboratory here. What about insects? Uh, they're doing all kinds of research on mosquitoes and fruit flies and even butterflies. They're creating what's called dominant lethals where they, in, they inject and, and, and create this uh, genetically modified, say, for example, mosquito that when it bites other mosquitoes, or breeds with other mosquitoes, it'll kill them. But of course, and they just released a bunch of these, by the way, in Florida last month. I talked about that in one of my uh, culture shock uh, presentations. But uh, they don't bother to ask the question, what if these mosquitoes, these dominant lethals, bite us? What impact will it have on human beings? But they've been playing with this for many, many, many years. I talked about in in that same uh, culture shock issue Operation Big Buzz, Operation Dropkick, Operation Big Itch, and some other government-sponsored things where they're just treating the human populace like a massive uh, laboratory. Um, but, you know, this, this CRISPR technology, how, what's the connection between COVID, which is what we're talking about tonight, and this CRISPR technology? Well, there are many experts that have 
sounded the alarm and written about this over the last 18 months uh, in particular. Uh, but basically, it has to do with self-spreading viruses. Self-spreading viruses. Uh, these types of technology are nothing new. This is something the dark side has been working on for many years. And I'm going to show you in a little bit how we can trace the patents and the journal articles and the scientific reports from laboratories and the money and the selling of patents and the transferring of ownership of patents and all those things back at least 22 years. Uh, but uh, self-spreading vaccines are no myth. Johns Hopkins University confirms it. Uh, self-spreading vaccines were first conceived by Australian Nobel vir virologist Sir McFarlane Burnett, who you see on the screen there. His protege was Sir Gustav Nosal. They're both from Australia. They worked on the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, which is the Australian government agency responsible for scientific research. And they were first able to create these uh, self-spreading viruses in rabbits. And, uh, uh, you know, they uh, were able to get, to get one... Uh, rabbit to have this uh, virus and then it just spreads these you know, they give them the vaccine and then it just spreads to others right well uh, uh, this uh, uh, McFarlane worked very closely with William Gates senior and that, that you may know that name because that's uh, Bill Gates uh, father and of course the apple doesn't fall far from the tree we begin to see how the origins of Bill Gates evil depopulation agenda came together. And by the way, the Gage family goes way back with the top tier of the Luciferians, the Rockefeller family. Here's a, a picture of William H. Gates Jr. at a symposium with David Rockefeller and David Rockefeller uh, Jr. So uh, I talked about in Spirit of the Antichrist way back at the beginning, uh, I guess we were well into the pandemic by then, uh, some of these Scientific American articles, how invisible ink could reveal whether kids have been vaccinated and quantum uh, dots uh, could deliver vaccines invisibly uh, in, in, under, the, under the skin, uh, vaccine history. Uh, we talked about MIT has developed a way to store vaccine info under the skin. And then this article, which I've referenced before, Gene Editing, Moderna, and Transhumanism. Let me read what you see on the screen there. Transhumanism is a type of futurist philosophy aimed at transforming the human species by means of biotechnologies. Stuff that you are, have implanted surgically or injected underneath your skin, into your blood system. Transhumanism sees disease, aging, death as undesirable and unnecessary. We can solve it, and we can live forever. And we talked about that in session one of this uh, series. But they aim to transform human beings into a post-human species with greater capacity than those of present human beings. Now, I've talked about Elon Musk, a leading transhumanist on August 2nd, just earlier this week, this article, revival, or rather rival of Elon Musk's Neuralink, cleared by FDA to test brain chip in humans. The article says it's not technically uh, gene editing, but implantable chip technology is what they're talking about. In April, Elon Musk's Neurotech startup Neuralink proudly demonstrated an experiment of, experiment of monkeys with two link devices implanted into their brains, and these monkeys were able to play a video game just with their thoughts. That was on monkeys. Now, the next step, Musk said, would be to experiment on humans. Well, while that timeline, at least as far as Musk's company, is up in the air, some of Neuralink's quiet competitors are already making rapid progress. Synchron, a New York startup that makes brain-computer interface, or BCI, similar to Neuralink's, 
said last week it had received the FDA's permission to test its brain device in human patients in what's known as an early feasibility study. So it just strikes me that the FDA will approve small backroom under-the-radar experiments on humans for geogenetic modification, but for the massive global experiment being implemented, they use an unapproved bioinjection under emergency use authorization, not approval, which I will talk about in just a moment. But, you know, Proverbs, uh, yesterday, or, uh, Proverbs 30 says this, There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And I submit to you, we are living in that generation. Part two is the weaponizing of fear. And in order to understand this, you have to go back uh, to the fact of the matter that I've uh, quoted last week. And that is the COVID-19 virus has an overall survivability rate of 99.8% globally, which is on par with the seasonal flu. Another fact, the chance of a child dying of COVID-19 is two in one million. And I talked last week about how mainstream news sources are even talking about this, uh, such as Laura Ingram, not necessarily a fan, not endorsing her, but it's, it's out there that, you know, for between 2019 and 2020, flu cases were down by 90, 95% because they were, uh, you know, registering everything as COVID. And then, of course, I talked last week about how secretly, kind of below the radar, not mainstream, should have been flashing news, alert, alert, alert. Uh, the mainstream media reported that the CDC is urging uh, labs to no longer use the PCR test. And uh, by, 20, by the last day of this year, 12-31-21, they're no longer allowed to use it. Most people don't even know that the PCR test was an emergency use authorization. It was never approved by the FDA. And now they've removed their request for it to be approved and said, don't use it. Why? Because it cannot distinguish between the flu and COVID-19. Now, just let that sink in for a moment. This, is, this ought to be mainstream news that ought to launch congressional hearings and global Nuremberg trials and everything because the entire pandemic, the entire pandemic was predicated upon a PCR test that told us again and again that thousands upon thousands of cases were being diagnosed, thousands and thousands of people were dying, and it was all based on one test, the PCR test. And by the way, it's still being used today. It's still being, people are still sticking a Q-tip up their nose and letting the doctor say, you have COVID, when the CDC has now come out and said it has a 90% false positive and they banned the use of it effective at the end of this year. That's not me saying it. Look at, this is their own CDC website. An alert, uh, uh, July 21st, 2021, lab alert. It's alert to all the labs out there that are doing testing. You need to know, here it is. After December 31st, this is from the CDC's own website, CDC will withdraw the request for the U.S. FDA emergency use authorization for the PCR test. So we know, and many people that are actually not listening to the mainstream dribble of the media and actually doing their own research, top-level virologists, scientists, surgeons, physicians, pediatricians, and I talked about hundreds of thousands of those last week, have been sounding the alarm since a long time ago. They were doing independent testing. They were talking about how the cycle rates were so high that it's going to guarantee you a positive COVID uh, result. They were doing tests on unused, unopened packages 
uh, of the PCR test Q-tips, sending them to the lab, running them through the machine, and they were coming back 100% positive for COVID. <laughs> so this is not new. It's just now being admitted, and no one really is talking about it. That's because it's all, it's not about what it's about. It's about fear. I talked about last week how psychologists say fear is one of the most powerful motivators. So you pop up on the screen these tickers that, you know, constantly are showing every time a new case is made, now admitted that those cases were 90% false and no different than the flu. In fact, some studies show if you had had a cold, a simple cold that you take nothing more than over-the-counter antihistamines for, any time in the last three years before getting a PCR test, it would show positive for COVID, literally. And of course, they've stopped using it, but it wasn't about that. It was about fear. It was about showing pictures of families separated from their loved ones in nursing homes. It was about all these Twitter bots that I talked about last week that they generated and sent out and people retweeted, and they're all the same thing. They're all made up. They're not new. Not that there weren't real people sharing stories of their loved ones dying. That's true, but it was absolutely, this is just from this week. You know, my brother has just tested positive for COVID. It's the Delta variant. Uh, he has been double jabbed. How on earth can Johnson & Johnson go ahead with relaxing the rules on the 19th of July? It's madness, right? So uh, we know, by the way, and this is something you didn't see reported on Fox News or CNN, as a matter of undeniable fact, that last year in the midst of the so-called pandemic, doctors were being paid with funds that got traced back ultimately to the CDC, to the, to, to, to the privately funded CDC, as I talked about last week, to send out tweets claiming their hospitals were overrun with COVID patients. Please send out tweets to tweet all your constituents, tweet all your patients, tell them that you know COVID patients, uh, th th you're overrun and the ICR, ICUs are, are overrun, they're at capacity, right? And, and this was going on and other people were tweeting on social media that, you know, I just saw all this news coverage about such and such a hospital being overrun. I sprained my ankle, I go to the hospital, there's not a soul in sight. They sent half the staff home because nobody's there. It's all a lie. You need to understand. Liars lie. And when you understand who's pulling the strings of the mainstream media, you begin to understand the credibility uh, that they lack. I just saw just this week in Colorado, a doctor in a lab coat tweeted out that she works on the COVID. It was Dr. Burnett. I can't remember the first name. Uh, she works on the COVID floor at her hospital and it's overrun. And so is the ICR. And this is terrible. Everybody needs to get the vaccine. You unvaxxed people are causing this pandemic. And uh, come to find out, a local investigative reporter uh, researched it. And Dr. Burnett is, first of all, a veterinarian. <laughs> and when you look closely at the picture in her tweet behind it, what looks like a medical office is actually a veterinary's office with the table where you put your dog on top of it to treat your dog. And uh, she just did it because she took advantage of the campaign that the CDC is promoting to get money, and they've started it up again. You cannot believe anything the mainstream news says. By the way, unrelated, but, you know, when the ma mainstream media talks about how there's this huge surge in COVID deaths, remember this headline. This is from Monday. Um, Washington, D.C. murders surpass coronavirus deaths in July by nearly three to one. Well, personally... I think we ought to shut down, lock down, and take down Washington, D.C., if that's the case, right? It was never about the virus. It's about the vaccine. That's the, if you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear that. 
It was never about the virus. It's about the vaccine. It's a matter of weaponizing fear. And as we talked about last week, we, God has not given us a spirit of fear. If God hasn't given to us, where does fear come from? Well, Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. It comes straight from Satan. Proverbs 3 says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Section 3, the COVID-19 vaccines never approved. Now, I've talked a lot about Big Pharma and vaccines and the Luciferian conspiracy in my Spirit of the Antichrist series. Uh, if you want even more information, you can go to the URL that you see on the screen uh, and uh, watch that. But the fact of the matter is that 93% of all vaccines that begin the testing process fail and never make it out of the testing phase. So when it comes to, in the U.S., the three uh, vaccines that uh, are being used, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna, they're all being distributed under emergency use authorization. And from the, F, from the CDC's own website, emergency use authorizations may be granted only during a public health emergency, listen to this, when there are, quote, no adequate, approved, and available alternatives. There is a difference between authorizing vaccines and approving them. To authorize them means we'll let you do it. To approve them means they've gone under rigorous testing and we officially sanctioned them. This was a very helpful uh, site, uh, uh, diagram from a local state health site, North Carolina, I think it was. Uh, but anyway, they show kind of the process that the FDA goes through. So over here on the right, they show the normal process for approval. And what happens is you go through testing. Normally, it takes a minimum of 10 years and another five years of testing on humans before they would even think about issuing a vaccine to the public. Most studies show 15 to 20 years. For example, SARS-CoV-1, same basic thing that SARS-CoV-2 is, a severe acute respiratory coronavirus, uh, has been out for 20 years. We still don't have a vaccine for it. But by contrast, when they want to authorize something, over here on the left, you see they've changed the flow chart. And that's because testing and production happen at the same time. They give it out to the public, and we're all a bunch of guinea pigs to test it, right? In fact, if you really want to look at it, you can go to the CDC's own site and listen to what they say. For each COVID-19 vaccine authorized, not approved, authorized under emergency use authorization, the FDA requires that vaccine recipients or their caregivers are provided with certain vaccine-specific emergency use authorization information to help make an informed decision about the vaccination. This is accomplished by providing a fact sheet for recipients and caregivers. Now, again, this is their words. The fact sheet is similar in purpose and content to a vaccine information statement, a VIS that comes in every little package of vaccines in the little box that the vial comes in at your doctor's office. I've asked my doctor in the past with our kids to show me the insert. I want to see it. I'll come back to that in a moment. But that you don't have that for an EUA a vaccine, uh, but they have what's called a fact sheet. Um, the fact sheet is specific to each authorized COVID-19 vaccine and it's developed by the manufacturer for the vaccine. There is no vaccine insert uh, for COVID-19 vaccines authorized under an EUA. Instead, they issue these fact sheets. Now, what happens is as this experiment is going on, we're all in a huge laboratory and things change, 
then they report that on this website under each vaccine. So, for example, if you go to the Pfizer page, it's going to show you a summary of recent changes and updates. I wonder how many people who have been vaccinated have gone back to check if the science and the results have shown any devastating effects so far. Uh, when I checked this, Pfizer and Moderna didn't have anything, but uh-oh, look at look it out. Johnson & Johnson, they changed it. Now, what do you do if they change the results and the information? They say, well, you shouldn't take this if you're under this age or over this age or if you have this condition because we're seeing in the laboratory, which is the world, all of these results. What do you do? Too late then, right? See, that's what authorization means. And we've been down this road before, back in 1976, with the swine flu debacle, there's uh, Nixon, a picture of him getting the vaccine. Again, it was EUA, emergency use authorization, and it was abruptly canceled after 53 deaths. 53 deaths. They stopped it. They realized something has gone terribly wrong. In fact, our neighbors to the north, Canada, watching what was going on in America, after only five U.S. deaths, said, enough's enough. We're not giving this experimental injection to anybody else, right? And we could talk about the Cutter incident where 40,000 children got polio because of a mix-up at the Cutter lab. In fact, it's gotten to be you know, that so many people are raising questions about this issue of authorized versus approved that even the mainstream media, no less than the New York Times and they're all the paper that's fit to flush mentality, is being forced to address this non-approval situation by making strained illogical arguments that of course most sheep will just gobble right up. You know, they asked uh, in this story July 21st, why is the FDA encouraging people to receive a COVID-19 vaccine but hasn't formally approved those vaccines? Well, just follow me. There's a logical reason and you should roll up uh, your sleeve. Uh, here's uh, the uh, uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra, or as I like to call him, the Secretary of Death and Eugenic Services, uh, on the screen there. But this is a, an article from the Epic Times, nonprofit sues Health and Human Services Department to immediately stop the EUA of COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, this was America's frontline doctors who filed a motion July 19th seeking immediate injunctive relief to stop the emergency use of COVID-19 vaccines. Um, and by the way, lest you think this is a right, left, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, Trump, Biden issue. Let's not forget who Trump's Health and Human Services, Death and Eugenic Services Secretary was. None other than former top lobbyist and senior vice president of corporate affairs and communications for Eli Lilly, one of the largest big pharma companies in the world and the largest manufacturer of psychotropic medications like Prozac and many others that has literally destroyed generations of young people by messing up their minds. It was Eli Lilly that partnered with the CIA back in the 70s and 80s, and many people say it's still going, even though they told Congress they stopped this, for the MKUltra project. Now, I've dealt with MKUltra in part nine of my Spirit of the Antichrist series, but for those of you that might not know what MKUltra was, it was a CIA mind control program that conducted, with Eli Lilly and other pharmaceuticals, secret experiments on human subjects for decades. That's where they invented LSD, by the way. LSD was invented by our government. Uh, the goal was to identify and develop drugs and procedures that could be used in interrogations in order to weaken the enemy and force confessions through mind control. And so they used unsuspecting citizens as their guinea pigs. Sound familiar? Part four, the COVID-19 vaccines and aborted babies. This is a fact, undeniable, in their own literature that cannot be overlooked. 
Now, there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people say, oh, no, this isn't true. And I think that's a self-defense mechanism because you just don't want to let yourself believe this could be true. But it's absolutely true. According to the CDC, the fetal cell lines from aborted babies being used to produce the COVID-19 vaccines are HEK-293, which was a baby aborted in 1973, and PER.C6, a baby aborted in 1985. We know the PER.C6 was an 18-week-old baby in the womb, aborted. And the mRNA COVID vaccines produced by Pfizer and Moderna were tested using the abortion-derived cell line HEK-293. And uh, the development of this vaccine, it was used for proof of concept. In other words, to, de to demonstrate how a cell could take up mRNA and then produce the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and attach to other receptors. Uh, you haven't heard that on the mainstream news. Uh, the COVID vaccine produced by Johnson & Johnson not only used uh, aborted baby cells, this uh, from uh, PER.C6, uh, the mRNA was the HEK-293, but Johnson Johnson was the second one you see on the screen there, and it required not only the cells from aborted babies in the development, but also in the manufacture. So if you got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you injected yourself with, a, with microscopic cells from an aborted baby. And this is not just, oh, by the way, not to worry on this one uh, state health site that was literally cutting and pasting stuff from the CDC site. They had a note at the end, if you're concerned about this from a moral perspective, please understand that the Catholic Church and the Southern Baptist Convention, Catholic Church, huge number in our country, and of course the SBC, the largest evangelical denomination, are both on record saying that there's no moral problem with using aborted fetuses in vaccine production. Uh, this is not just a COVID-19 issue. I talked about in my Spirit of the Antichrist series, and we even played recorded depositions of the guy that's known as the grandfather of vaccines under oath, talking about where these cells came from. But uh, they use uh, MRC5 and WI38 lines that uh, originate from babies aborted in 1961, a female baby and then a, a male uh, baby. And the pharmaceutical companies cooperate so closely with the abortion mills in order to receive the tissue they need for their experiments that they are frequently, and this is documented in multiple documentaries, in the abortuaries at the same time abortions are being performed so they can package and preserve the organs immediately. And by the way, this is off subject, but this is something that it just come out in the last few weeks and is being researched. But recent research suggests that the WI38 fetal tissue that came from a female aborted baby might correlate to the rise in feminization of boys. And the MRC5 tissue that came from a male aborted baby might correlate to the rise in girls wanting to be boys. So here's the question. Is it moral to use aborted babies to develop and manufacture COVID-19 vaccines? Is it moral to inject the cells of aborted babies into your body? Well, let's see what God's Word says. David said in Psalm 51, In sin my mother conceived me. In other words, Scripture teaches that life begins at fertilization. In Psalm 51, David referred to himself as a person in need of salvation from the moment of fertilization. In modern, modern technical terms, fertilization takes place when the sperm and egg join into one new cell. So we are 100% human from this moment long before this cell begins to divide and produce stem cells. Embryonic stem cell research destroys embryos after fertilization to extract stem cells. It violates God's sixth commandment against murder. Jeremiah put it this way, before you 
were born, I, God told Jeremiah, before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. God has plans for us before we're born. In Genesis, Jacob and Esau were two distinct individuals in Rebekah's womb. Two nations are in your womb, the Bible says. David said in Psalm 39, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. The unborn human life has identity. In Galatians, Paul himself said that God had separated him, called him from his mother's womb, even. And of course, Exodus tells us that if you kill someone who's pregnant and the child dies in their womb, that you, know, you have to give life for life. You have to give life for life. It goes on to say the law says that cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. So let me ask you this. If it is immoral to take money to kill an innocent pre-born human being, is it any less wrong to take money to sell their corpses to the billion-dollar pharmaceutical industry? So to me, the answer is unequivocal, simple, simple end of discussion, no. It's not moral. It's not moral. And yet, when... Early on, many evangelical Christians refused to take the vaccine because of a moral conviction against using aborted babies in the vaccines. What do the Luciferian elite do? Well, cue the evangelical leaders, the Robert Jefferses, Franklin Grahams, James Dobsons, etc. One of the leading evangelicals today is the pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas and a prominent leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. His church has 14,000 Members, I happen to know Robert Jeffers. I've shared the platform with him. I've been a keynote speaker at the same conferences where he has spoken. And uh, on an unrelated note, I actually 30 years ago did an internship at First Baptist Church Dallas. He wasn't there yet. He was a different pastor at the time. It was right when W.A. Criswell retired and uh, his predecessor, first predecessor came in. So I, this has particular uh, meaning to me. And I've got several problems with Robert Jeffers, but this one in particular. I've got about a three-minute quote here from Robert Jeffers on the Fox Business Channel. Just listen to what he's saying. Probably or definitely will not take the vaccine compared to a third of black Protestants. And, of course, that's the group whose resistance has gotten more attention in the media. Pastor Robert Jeffers of First Baptist Church in Dallas is urging the 14,000 members of his church to take the vaccine, and he joins us now. Pastor, great to see you again. Uh, what's going on with white evangelicals? What's, what's their main reason for not wanting to take the vaccine? David, I think there are two reasons. I think, first of all, there is a false dichotomy they created between faith and science. The truth is there is no conflict between true faith and true science. God uses science to bring about his purpose. You've written about how a therapeutic helped you. Yes, God does use science, absolutely, but so do the Luciferians. You tremendously. That was a gift from God. Yeah. And I think also part of this, David, is we've politicized this vaccination issue and that uh, we think it's a Biden initiative. Look, I give Joe Biden credit for the distribution of this vaccine, but the truth is there would be no vaccine to distribute if it were not for the foresight of Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed. Let's quit looking at this as a Democrat-Republican issue. This is an American initiative we need to get behind so that we can get back to normal including in our churches. So have you changed any minds? <laughs> well, we're working on it. I did a piece for uh, the Fox News Rundown this week. I'm talking about it everywhere I can. Look, those of us who value life, and I know you do, we talk about life inside the womb being a gift from God. I mean, 
I don't even have words, but let me just finish. Life outside the womb is a gift from God, too. We need to be consistent and do everything we can to protect the life God has given now, us. Now, I don't want to discourage... All right, now, listen carefully to this next segment. By the way, the uh, Fox News host makes a Freudian slip that's, if it weren't so sad, would be somewhat funny. You'll see that in a moment. But he's going to ask him about, you know, you know, Pastor, a lot of Christians are concerned about, you know, aborted babies being part of this. And listen, listen closely to what Robert Jeffers says. Anybody from taking the vaccines because we've got to stop this pandemic. But there is concern among some Catholic bishops and some evangelicals as well that the cell lines that were used to develop certain vaccines, particularly Johnson & Johnson, came from aborted feces. Uh, came from aborted babies. Let's just say it out loud. So, what wow. what exactly uh, is your answer to that? I mean, there are people that don't want any any connection there with with abortion and, yeah. and vaccines. Well, look. First of all, we would never abort babies to provide a vaccine. Oh, we wouldn't. Why are the big pharma representatives literally camped out at abortuaries across America? Whoops. Got to hear the rest of this. Aborted babies. Let's just <laughs> say it out loud. So, what yeah. what exactly uh, is your answer to that? I mean, there are people that don't want any any connection there with with abortion and, yeah. and vaccines. Well, look. First of all, we would never abort babies to provide a vaccine. I think Francis Collins has denied uh, that uh, linkage, and he is a strong Christian himself. But David, if we're talking about something from babies that were already aborted, I would just remind people the whole Christian message is that Christ, who was innocent, died for us and brought something good out of that unjust death. And I think if lives can be saved, even from the unrighteous killing of a baby, uh, that there's something to be gained there. So I would not refuse the vaccine on that uh, point alone. Let me be clear. He just likened taking baby corpses from abortuaries to make a vaccine to the atoning work of our Savior. And he referenced Francis Collins. You may not know that name, but Francis Collins is the director of the National Institutes of Health. He is, he is uh, Anthony Fauci's boss. And he said, oh, he's a good Christian guy. Well, what do we know about Francis Collins? Well, first of all, he was appointed by Bill Clinton as the director of the National Human Genome Research Project. And then Barack Obama's the one that made him the NIH director, and he remains in that role today. And uh, also, he was appointed by Pope, Pope Benedict XVI to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences. He has been on the leading edge of genetic modification research all along. We talked last week about how the uh, logo for Agenda 2030 is basically a replica of the pin, I mean, of the genome uh, code or chart called the codon chart. I talked about that last week. Uh, that is all about genetic modification. You see top level uh, world leaders using it, like, you know, Boris Johnson and the World Health Organization director in the top right there. I won't even begin to uh, say his name, but this guy's not a medical doctor. He was a tyrant of a country in Africa that killed genocidally many of his citizens, and then they made him the director of the World Health Organization. He's never even had any training in medicine. Then you see Bill Gates, you see French President Emmanuel Macron, but as far as Francis Collins, here he is with Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates attending on December 12, 2018, a workshop on global health. Here they are sitting at a 
some type of symposium. Uh, here's another shot. They work closely together. But I didn't just take photographic evidence because you never know what's behind the photograph. I decided to go to the NIH.gov website for myself. And Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, has a director's blog. You can read it. And I found this entry November 5th, 2019, right before the pandemic was rolled out in America. These are his words. Uh, you can see at the top of this particular blog entry, he's uh, linking you to the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation. And he says, for example, there's been tremendous excitement recently about the potential of CRISPR and related gene editing technologies. This is Francis Collins talking here about CRISPR. November uh, 5th, 2019, in his own blog, at NIH.gov. Uh, he goes on to say, just this, at the end, I read all the way to the end of the article, and I found this interesting little quote. Just last month, he said, NIH and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced a collaboration that will invest at least $200 million in gene editing technologies over the next four years. Now, let me ask you a question. Do Christians really want to be taking advice from a pastor who takes his advice from a man who is working hand in hand with Bill Gates to play God and use CRISPR gene editing technology? Just uh, yesterday, August 3rd, Francis Collins was in the news. He said, quote, parents with children under the age of 12 should wear face masks inside their home. And that's the guy Robert Jeffress quoted to support that it's okay uh, to use aborted babies to create vaccines the same way it's okay for Jesus to die and rise again for your sins. Number five, let's get to the heart of the matter, the experimental bio-injection. So with the background that COVID experimental bio-injections have never been approved and that they use murdered babies in their development and manufacturing, let's talk about the actual experimental bio-injections themselves. You know, there's a reason that less than 50% of Americans have received this experimental bioinjection, unlike any other country in the world. And see, that's what the Luciferians are trying to do. They hate America because we are the one nation in this world that still is freedom-loving, God-fearing Christian people that want to do what's right. And they've got to bring us down so they can usher in the satanic one-world system. But again, the official narrative, I touched on this last week. I think it was during the, the Q&A. I kind of jumped the gun a little bit there uh, on this because someone asked a question. But according to the CDC, if you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID-19. You can still transmit it to others, even with the vaccine. You must still wear a mask. You must still social distance. And watch this. The antibodies are only guaranteed to last roughly 90 days. You have to get boosters, right? Not to mention, as we're about to talk about, it may cause serious injury or death. All of this for a flu-like respiratory illness with a 99.8% global survival rate. Now, you don't believe me about the antibodies and how this vaccine that many people have taken by the millions is only going to last you three months or so, maybe six? Let's let the CDC answer that question. Immunity from the flu shot only lasts about a year, but it lasts a lifetime for the measles, so how long will immunity last once you get the COVID-19 vaccine? Let's verify. To find out, we checked with the CDC and consulted with Dr. Alex Greninger, the Assistant Director of the UW Medicine Clinical Virology Lab. 
In an email to Sherry, the viewer who contacted us, the CDC gave a clear, if understandably unsatisfying response, both this disease and the vaccine are new. We don't know how long protection lasts for those who are vaccinated. How long will these vaccines last? I mean, the tough thing here is longitudinal studies take time, right? These first vaccines, we got the RNA vaccines. This is the first time we've ever done RNA vaccines in people, so, I mean, that makes it harder to, to analogize. The CDC does conclude they wouldn't expect you to get reinfected within at least three months of getting your COVID vaccine, but beyond that, it's an educated guess. I know there's no set answer, but do you have a kind of general guideline we assume this sort of a timeline? The immunity for the vaccine will probably last in the order of years, depending on what happens with this virus from a mutational standpoint. Until scientists collect years of data, at this point, we can only verify immunity should last a few months, probably six months to a year, and hopefully a few years. But so far, we simply don't know for sure. With your Verify, I'm Steve Bunin. So in other words, since we're all part of a global experiment, we need more time until we can say for sure how long the immunity from the vaccine will last. We just don't know. Normally, this is what they discover during the 10 to 15 to 20 years of research before they inject people with a vaccine, but we just don't know. Now, for those of you that might be watching this or hearing this for the first time and just cannot believe your ears, let me remind you of the words of Albert Einstein, condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance. And what I'm about to cover next may seem utterly unthinkable, but whatever you do, don't dismiss this information capriciously. Just because it may be new to you does not mean it's not true. In all, if all you ever do is blindly accept the official government narrative, you're making a huge mistake. Again, condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance. Investigate, and you'll find out the truth. Adolf Hitler famously said, the principle which is true in itself is that in the big lie, there's always a certain force of credibility. In other words, the bigger the lie, the more it will be believed. And we are about to uncover a very big lie. And that billions of people believe it does not make it any less of a lie. Remember, billions of people also believe we evolved over 65 million years from a wet rock. Mar uh, Lenin said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. And then Manly P. Hall, a very horrific Satanist who died in 1990, a Top-level, 33rd-degree Scottish Rite Mason. He wrote uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And he said, Remember, there are invisible powers behind the thrones of the earth, and men are but marionettes dancing while the invisible ones pull the strings. And if you've read my book from 10 years ago, The Great Last Day's Deception, you'll notice on the cover there I have a marionette uh, showing how really there is someone else kind of behind what's really happening. It's never about what it's about. Uh, Eric Arthur Blair, also known by his pen name George Orwell, said, In an age of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So with that, let's start the revolution. It's really hard to know where to begin exactly when exposing the pre-planned script that is being played out by the Luciferians right before our very eyes, but I think a good place to jump into the waters would be January 6, 2004, when Merck, at a conference on SARS and bioterrorism, Merck, one of the big pharma companies, uh, introduced... A, 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 the phrase, the new normal, and their plan, which was to create an aggressive pan-coronavirus vaccine schedule that everyone on earth would take. Their goal was to get everyone to accept a pan-influenza, meaning worldwide, covers everybody, and coronavirus vaccine. And with that foundation, the next name you need to know is uh, Peter Daszak. He was a 
British consultant on disease ecology and the president of EcoHealth Alliance, a non-government uh, organization uh, that supports various pandemic prevention programs. Now, what a lot of people don't realize about Daszak was he was indoctrinated into Nazi thought by his father, Bowdoin Daszak, who was a rabid anti-Semite in his youth, and he was a part of the OUN Youth Organization, the Organization of Ukrainian Nazis Youth Organization, and ultimately volunteered to become a death camp guard as a young adult, murdering who knows how many Jews. And Daszak is a eugenicist, like all of the other Luciferian elites, committed to depopulation. And According to a report released just August 1st by the Republican uh, House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, a minority report, Daszak's gain-of-threat experiments were intended not to make viruses more deadly, less what they think, they're wrong, but that's what they think, but this is their own words, but to make them transmittable to new hosts and to make them more contagious, causing a pandemic. And uh, this quote from that report, after this extensive investigation, this is the GOP Republican report, we believe it is time to call Peter Daszak to testify before Congress. There are still many outstanding questions about the type of research he funded at the Wuhan Institute of Virology that only he can answer. And then um, Natalie Waters of The Pulse reported on June 8th about a video that was uncovered and leaked out. Uh, and I've actually watched the video, but I'm just going to, for the sake of time, give you the quote. But it's a video in which Daszak describes how his organization sequences deadly viruses and describes the process of, quote, inserting spike proteins into viruses to see if they can, quote, bind to human cells. This was at a 2016 forum discussing, quote, emerging infectious diseases and the next pandemic. And his quote was, then you get a sequence of a virus and it looks like a relative of a known nasty pathogen just like we did with SARS. We found other coronaviruses and bats, a whole host of them. Some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein, the protein that attaches to the cell. Then we, well, I didn't do this work, but my colleagues in China did the work, uh, created pseudoparticles. You insert the spike proteins from those viruses to see if they can bind to human cells. And at each step of this move, you are closer and closer to a virus that could really become pathogenic in people. You end up with a small number of viruses that really look like killers. Now, the bombshell quote from Daszak was from 2015 in a report in the National Academies of Press. Uh, he said this, we need, we to his colleagues, we need to increase public understanding of the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan-corona vaccine. We need somehow to get convince people to line up worldwide and take this vaccine. And notice what he said, a key driver is the media, and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use the hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. In September 2019, uh, also right before the outbreak, the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board released a report titled A World at Risk that stressed the need uh, to be prepared for a coronavirus outbreak. And they talked about how the UN and the World Health Organization are conducting system-wide training simulation exercises, including one for covering the deliberate release of a lethal respiratory pathogen. And the entire process, they said, needs to be completed by September of 2020. I mean, the fact of the matter is there is league, there are lawsuits being filed. There are people being arrested in other countries. There are uh, incontrovertible patent 
and, and, and documented evidence that this thing has been planned for at least 22 years. I showed this last year in the midst of the pandemic. Maybe some of you uh, saw it, but this is from the World Health Organization website. So if you went to their website as of June 9th, 2020, and you clicked on what is herd immunity, and you expanded that, you see the little minus there, you expand that section to give the answer. It says herd immunity is the direct protection from an infectious disease that happens when a population is immune either through vaccinations or immunity developed through previous infection. But of course, that's not the narrative now, is it? The only way to get herd immunity is for everybody to roll up their sleeve and take this experimental bioinjection. So what did they do? Well, it's November 13th, 2020. If you looked at their website just about five months later, it says, what is herd immunity? Oh, herd immunity is a concept used for vaccinations if a, uh, in, in which a population can be protected from a certain virus if a threshold of vaccination is reached. Herd immunity is achieved by protecting people from a virus, uh, not by exposing them to it. Exactly opposite of what 100 years of scientific and medical research have been saying. And they just change it, just like that. Some guy in a cubicle that works on the back end of their website was given an order, changed the definition of herd immunity. Now, many of you are familiar with the VAERS website. This is an uh, organization that's run by the CDC and the FDA. Uh, it stands for Vaccine Adverse Events, Events Reporting System. I'll let them describe themselves uh, in their old wor own words. It was established in 1990. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, is a national early warning system to detect possible safety problems in a U.S. licensed vaccine. VAERS is, uh, as I already said, controlled or run by the CDC and the FDA. VAERS accepts and analyzes reports of adverse events, uh, possible side effects, after a person has received a vaccination. Anyone can report an adverse event to VAERS. Healthcare professionals are required to report certain adverse events, and vaccine manufacturers are required to report any adverse effects that they come up with, especially in something like this experiment globally where they're hearing all kinds of things. Now, they've told us that these experimental vaccinations again and again are safe and effective. Well, let's find out what VAERS said. First of all, over a period of 13 years and four months, from August 1st, 2007 to November 30th, 2020, remember the COVID vaccines started December 1st, 2020. So in the immediately preceding 13 years and four months, from all of the routine vaccinations that are given, childhood vaccinations, shingles, all this kind of stuff, there were a total of 3,001 deaths reported to VAERS. Now, let's take a look at uh, the COVID only COVID vaccine data through July 23rd, which is about 10 days ago. So far, we've seen nearly 12,000 deaths, nearly 40,000, 41,000 hospitalizations, 65,000 people who had a COVID vaccination have had to go to urgent care, 88, almost 89,000 have uh, gone to office visits. There have been 4,100 cases of anaphylaxis. We've had 3,700 cases of Bell's palsy. It goes on, 1,272 miscarriages, nearly 4,800 heart attacks, Cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, 12,000 people permanently disabled. This is from the VAERS own data, uh, severe allergic reactions, and so on and so forth. But the key number is nearly 12,000 deaths. So in roughly an eight-month period from one new vaccine from three manufacturers, but from the COVID-19 vaccine, as they're calling it, we've had four times as many deaths reported as there have been in the entire history of all vaccines for the previous 13 years and four months. Now, 
that's not all. Harvard did a study uh, at the request of the VAERS system to see how many people are actually reporting adverse effects from vaccines. And they determined back in 2011 that it really reflects only about 1% of the actual cases. In other words, most it's voluntary. Most people don't report it. They get a vaccine, two days later they come down with some kind of a sickness, they don't connect the dots, they don't know to call their doctor, their doctor doesn't tell them they should report it. So the cases are, are actually undoubtedly far greater than just 12,000, which is the admitted number from uh, the CDC and the FDA. Now, I mentioned last week, I think, that Ohio-based attorney Thomas Renz uh, has filed a lawsuit on behalf of Simone Gold and America's Frontline Doctors, and uh, he has uh, based this lawsuit on a sworn declaration under th threat of perjury from a whistleblower who's named as Jane Doe in the court documents to protect her life, uh, who has inside knowledge of a cover-up re uh, of reported deaths filed with the VAERS reporting system. The whistleblower has claimed under oath that there are at least 45,000 reported deaths that have occurred all within three days of people who received the COVID-19 vaccine. And Renz states that this report of 45,000 deaths, by the way, comes from just one system that feeds into the VAERS system out of six. So we really have no idea. Well, then eight days later, after this announcement, this press conference on July, uh, uh, eight days later, after the July 20th, uh, one on July 28th, he now says there's some 100,000 or more deaths. I want you to listen to this audio clip. It's about four minutes long. Um, I mean, this this vaccine, uh, we're going to have, I would say we've, I would argue that we've had over 100,000 deaths from it already, and I, we'll get to that later, but um, you're going to see many, many hundreds of thousands of deaths from it before it's over. Are you saying there's both short-term effects because we know about the immediate casualties from vaccine injury, but you're also, you think there's long-term effects as well too? Massive long-term effects. The long-term effects are actually worse than the short-term. Can mean, you give us an example of what, what you, we can expect to see? Cancer, blood clotting, uh, sterility, uh, impotence, neurological issues, uh, I mean, you name it. The the problem with it is, is that the vaccine causes your body to manufacture the spike protein, which is a pathogen. And when, you, when your body starts doing that, that starts getting everywhere. That spike protein connects to what's called the ACE2 receptors. And basically what you should think about this as is, is a magnet, you know. Um, you've got the spike protein on one side and you've got the ACE2 receptor on the other. And the ACE2 receptor is a part of a number of cells throughout the body. Um, it's all over the place. It's, it's, it's just everywhere. Um, and so when you have those two things together, they connect like a magnet. Um, because of that, that's why you see strange symptoms from COVID. You know, most of it, you know, you see the lung issues and things like that. But you also hear about people with blood clots and kidney issues and all these different things that are like bizarre issues from COVID-19. Well, it's because the ACE2 receptors are found all over the body, and these spike proteins, they, they attack, every, they go everywhere, and they cause problems. So we're going to start seeing random issues all over people's bodies from this. I mean, we know right now they just released another uh, study in Canada, out of Canada, a peer-reviewed article, so it's good, uh, about these, these micro... Uh, clots that are they're finding in, in people's bloods. Well, those micro clots are eventually going to turn into big clots. Uh, 
So you're going to have issues there. And the key, the real issue with this is, is they're going to call all of these things, they're going to call them new, more dangerous variants of COVID, but reality is, is that they're all going to be because of people taking this vaccine. Uh, you know, we have, there's a theory in medicine called Muller's Ratchet, and basically what it says is as a virus mutates, which all viruses do, they become more infectious but less dangerous. So you, more people may get it, but it's not going to be as dangerous to people who do. And we know that's the case. This Delta variant, which they can't actually test for, by the way, it's at least 97% identical to the original. And they can't test for it unless they actually take a sample and, and send it in for genetic sequencing. There aren't that many genetic sequencing machines available, and it takes time to do that. So when they're telling you you've got the Delta variant, they're either lying or they don't know what they're talking about because there's no way that they can test you and say, yeah, you got Delta. Um, so they're gonna, what they're doing right now is they're trying to ratchet up the fear. Uh, instead of blaming this on what it really is, which is the vaccine variant, they're trying to make sure that everybody's terrified of these new, more dangerous variants. But the only pe the people dying are all the vaccinated. The unvaccinated people aren't having issues. We're working with hospitals and emergency rooms around the country. Uh, I've got multiple reports from doctors, ICUs, you know, where 80, 80 plus percent of the people in the ICU are vaccinated. They're just covering it up. So my question, um, I mean, my question is this, where are the experimental bioinjection death and injury counters? I mean, I just captured this from a, a screenshot from last year. It happens to show 41,000 COVID deaths. We know there's 45,000 or more. And you're not seeing little counters about all the vaccinated people that are dropping dead or having serious life-threatening problems like the CDC even admits on their own site. No one's talking about that. Because as I said, it's not about the virus, it's about the vaccine. Europe has a similar uh, system to VAERS, uh, and uh, they are reporting 17,000, as of July 3rd anyway, a month ago, 17,503 dead and 1.7 million injured. And uh, by the way, if you want more information about this, I want to encourage you to go to 1000covidstories.com. There are video after video after video of people who've had the vaccine uh, that of either loved ones have died or they themselves are suffering serious side effects. Part number six is the cover-up. Uh, you know, headlines about uh, the devastating effects of the experimental bioinjections, you're just not hearing them on Fox News or CNN or the mainstream media. It's all about uh, censorship. In fact, Dr. Mercola said yesterday, quote, the silence of free speech is deafening. I love that quote. Now, this is all about the Hegelian dialectic. Uh, Hegel was a uh, you know, 18th century German philosopher, uh, and he basically said the synthetic solution to conflicts can't be introduced unless those being manipulated take a side that will advance the predetermined agenda. In other words, it works like this. We provide a problem, you provide a reaction, and then together we'll provide a solution. So imagine if out of nowhere the government announced that they would like everyone to drive through a tent set up at their local shopping mall, stick out their arms, and be given an experimental non-FDA approved injection. People would have been like, are you kidding me? No way am I doing that. But you create the illusion of an existential threat to humanity 
that can only be solved by this experimental injection. And out of fear, people will line up by the millions, elbowing their way to the front of the line to get on the train. It's classic problem-reaction-solution. So here's some headlines you're not seeing in the mainstream news. Here's the Washington Standard, citing Dr. Michael Yeadon, the former VP at Pfizer, who says it's entirely possible that this will be used for massive-scale depopulation. Uh, here's Dr. Charles Hoff, uh, who says this vaccine is quite clearly more dangerous uh, than COVID. He's done uh, re uh, tests on his patients to find that 60% of his vaccinated patients had blood clots. Uh, here's that same doctor with a team of other doctors reporting at a, like a, a webinar about the same problem. And they say many patients will have permanent heart damage and could die within three years. What about Byron Brittle? Uh, here's what he says. He's the viral immunologist and associate professor at the University of Guelph in Ontario. And uh, uh, he says... Uh, we made a big mistake. We didn't realize it until now. We thought the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein. So by vaccinating people, we are inadvertently inoculating them. He says spike proteins are a huge concern. Uh, he, he, and several of his, 100 of his colleagues have joined him. And by the way, the, you know, people may say, well, my doctor said this, or I know a doctor and she thinks the vaccine is safe. I'm not suggesting that every doctor on planet Earth is part of a massive monolithic conspiracy. As Dr. Lee Merritt said at a conference that I was at last week in, in person, uh, many doctors are just ignorant. They believe the CDC and the health department and their professors, they just, they don't know to do the research on their own, but hundreds of thousands of others, as I showed last week, get it. Um, Here's uh, uh, Dr. David L.V. Bauer, uh, who is basically the uh, leader in London of the COVID vaccine program. And he says about the Pfizer injection, quote, the key message from our findings is that the recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who have had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. And those neutralizing antibodies, he says, are the gold standard antibodies of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your immune system in the first place. This is the guy that's leading the COVID charge, and he admits it, right? Uh, here's internal CDC document, says vaccinated and unvaccinated both transmit the virus. This is uh, something that we call shedding, that doctors call a shedding, and it, it doesn't matter whether you've been vaccinated or not. Uh, Big Pharma whistleblower, 97% of coronavirus recipients will become infertile uh, from a GlaxoSmithKline study. Here's a Yahoo News. If you got Pfizer, you may have this del delayed side effect. A new study shows talking about Bell's palsy. Uh, CDC releases this from Massachusetts that three quarters of what they're calling Delta cases were among the vaccinated. Well, can, can you imagine that? Same uh, study, a different news source. 74% of cases of new cases were vaccinated. Here's 49 fully vaccinated individuals in New Jersey have died from COVID. Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, says 84% of new COVID victims in Israel are the vaccinated. You're not hearing this on the mainstream news, right? 74% of Singapore's recent COVID-19 cases were among the vaccinated people. From India, 86% of vaccinated people who got COVID were infected. Uh, Gibraltar, Iceland, 90% of the population is vaccinated and they're seeing massive spikes in COVID cases. Why? Here's a app that's used in London, which shows that there's a 40% increase in COVID cases among the vaccinated. 
this professor says half of serious COVID-19 cases are among the vaccinated. Even recently, Senator Graham and many other famous people, they always like to show them, are testing positive for COVID after they've been uh, vaccinated. Even the mainstream news has to address the elephant in the room, and so they do this terrible, you know, misinformation stories. Uh, CNN, vaccinated but just tested positive for COVID-19? Well, here's what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Don't take the vaccine. It's not a vaccine, and it's, exper it's an experimental bioinjection that's never been approved. Uh, so uh, before we move on to the uh, final sections here, I just want to mention that if you are listening to this and you've had the vaccine, there's a great website for vaccine remorse at Dr. Lee Merritt's website. You can see the URL on the screen there. Once we upload the recorded video of this later tonight, you can go back, watch it, and pause it and get that. But it's got some very helpful information on uh, things that you might be able to do to mitigate the future results of these antigens that are uh, and pathogens that are now floating through your blood. Number seven, let's talk about propaganda and mind control. Uh, this quote from William Casey, former CIA director who died, by the way, under very mysterious circumstances in 1987. I talk about that elsewhere. But he said, quote, we will know our disinformation campaign is complete when everything the American public believes is a lie. Now, if you're listening to me tonight, uh, you fall into one of three categories, according to Leonardo da Vinci. There are three classes of people, those who see, those who see when they're shown, and those who'll never see. So the propaganda is unbelievable. Time after time, they're offering all kinds of incentives. Here's People Magazine, how to get promotions and freebies for your COVID vaccine. ABC News, the U.S. is offering free marijuana joints in exchange for uh, for COVID-19 vaccines. This was in Washington State. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Free Girl Scout cookies if you take the jab. Uh, here's NYC COVID-19 vaccine incentives. Get $100 or other rewards if you take the vaccine. Uh, here's, uh, where was this? Michigan. Win millions in prizes if you take the vaccine. And in New York City even has a referral program. You bring somebody else to get the vaccine, they're going to give you $100. That doesn't sound suspicious to anybody. Biden, of course, encourages vaccine incentives and announces requirements for federal workers. Um, this from July 30th, cash vouchers provide greater incentive for COVID-19 than even lotteries. Let's just pay people to take it. These companies are actually paying their employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, CNN says, and it lists them. This from California, vax for the win. You can win $50 gift cards and tickets to Six Flags. Just come roll up your sleeve. This from North Carolina, they have a whole list of vaccine incentives. Of course, Governor Newsom announced new vaccine freebies and incentives in June. Uh, and then they're using other types of heartbreaking stories, like I saw this one on Fox News. Dad sends a heartbreaking text just before he died. I should have gotten the blank vaccine, and then he died. Now, honestly, I don't even know if he died. There's so much fake news, literally. They make stuff up. CNN was caught during the Gulf, first Gulf War uh, alleging that their reporters were reporting from uh, Iraq, but they were on the, floor, the roof of the CNN building in downtown Atlanta with a green screen behind them. And when they were caught, CNN said, well, the, what we were reporting was true. We just didn't want to put our uh, reporters in harm's way. You don't know if anything you hear on the TV is true. If this gentleman really died, my condolences to the family. I pray that he knew the Lord and he's in heaven today, and I pray that God comforts his family. But this story is not about caring for that guy. It's about convincing people to take the vaccine. And when someone is coaxing you to do something you would not normally think of doing on your own, it's almost always a trap. 
You've heard a lot of talk about the carrot and stick. Here's this young man in his backyard trying to catch a rabbit with a carrot. But uh, just a couple weeks ago, CNN's Washington bureau chief, Sam Feist, in a leaked email that he accidentally sent to someone else, he accidentally sent it to Charlie Kirk, by the way, but you know how when you type in an email and you start to type it, it auto-completes for you. Evidently, he had exchanged emails with Charlie Kirk during the reporting process, and Charlie's trying to probably get a quote or vice versa or something. But anyway, boom, he sent, hit send. Oh, no, I sent this to Charlie Kirk, but it was meant to be internal to somebody else. And he said, look, we need to rethink this carrot versus stick thing. The carrot just isn't working, right? And so that's why the New York Times is paying up to, a, I mean, the CDC, as the New York Times reports, and here's the insider as well, is paying up to $1,000 for regional celebrities on social media like TikTok and others uh, if they'll promote the vaccine. In other words, they find people with a lot of followers on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or whatever. They reach out to them and say, hey, will you help us promote the, the vaccine? We'll give you $1,000 if you send out this tweet that we gave you. That, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Alabama governor said we need to start blaming the unvaccinated. This technique of blaming the unvaccinated and getting the vaccinated to turn on the unvaccinated, divide and conquer, is a classic technique of control. They teach prison guards that in order to get compliance from prisoners, they should line up a group of prisoners, single out one of them, and say in front of them, all, if you step out of line, I'm going to punish the guy on your right and the guy on your left. And that makes the prisoners turn on the innocent guy and blame him, and then it makes the innocent guy comply out of, out of fear. Um, this from CNN on July 31st, the surge of COVID-19 infections for unvaccinated people is only the beginning. We just showed you it's not the unvaccinated. By a factor of 80 to 90 percent, it's the vaccinated. And then this propaganda piece, I thought this was interesting. This was from CNN. What life is like in America's most vaccinated state? You know, you too can be dancing and laughing and smiling and enjoying life if you'll just simply take the vaccine and encourage everyone else in your state to do the same thing. It's all propaganda. Now, my first full-time church, uh, this was uh, 30 years ago. Uh, I've been in ministry 32 years, but I had a part-time church while I was in seminary. But my first full-time church, after Wendy and I were married, was in a rural Midwest farming community. And I learned a lot about farming from the old timers. I enjoyed talking to them and hearing about the evolution of farm equipment, what they used to do in the old days, and the big, massive John Deere equipment that they had. It cost hundreds of thousands of dollars now. But I learned, for example, that in the old days, this was what a manure spreader looked like, horse-drawn. Uh, this is how they would spread manure. Then as time went on, and in the industrial age, they would have automated ones that would pull behind a tractor. But this is what a modern manure spreader looks like. <laughs> And you need to understand that liars lie, and everything you're hearing on the mainstream news is either a lie or it's a spin and manipulated to get you to do something. And since we're talking about harmful poisons, poisons, just remember the mainstream media is harmful if swallowed. So that's propaganda, but what about franchised tyranny? This quote from the chairman of the Children's Health Defense uh, Organization, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, he says, we are at a foreboding fork in the road to totalitarianism. We are now moving beyond the propaganda stage into this very coercive program where federal agents appear at American homes with the menacing message, we know who you are and where you live, we have you on our list, we have your medical records, we want your neighbors to know that you are dangerous. If you want to end this harassment, you must submit to a risky medical intervention made by an unscrupulous company with no liability. Remember, the pharmaceutical companies were given blanket immunity. They can do whatever they want with impunity and don't have to worry about it. And if you die or suffer permanent neurological injury, tough luck. 
we know, that according to Scripture, perilous times will come in the last days. We know, as I talk about in my Spirit of Antichrist series, that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work today, setting the stage for the ultimate reign of the capital A Antichrist. In fact, the Bible tells us many Antichrists have already come, and, and they are using lying wonders and unrighteous deception, just as the Antichrist will during his seven-year reign of terror. And today, the Bible tells us that many people are giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons today in this present age. They're being, uh, deception is getting worse and worse and worse. And that's the reason Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means. What we need are more people willing to stand alone, like this fella in Nazi Germany. And speaking of Nazi Germany, Joseph Mengele, the angel of death, said, the more we do to you, the less you seem to believe we're doing it. Another Nazi, Hermann Goering, said that people can always be brought to do the bidding of the leaders. Tell them they are being attacked by a deadly virus that kills 0.2% of people globally and 0.000-something percent of young people globally. But tell them they're being attacked and denounce the peacemakers, those who don't want to take the solution, for lack of patriotism and exposing their country to danger. Goering said if the lead, it, is, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it is always a simple matter to drag the people along. Whether it's a democracy, fascist dictatorship, parliament, or communist dictatorship, voice or no voice, it does not matter. The people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. And then William Blum, I quoted this in Spirit of the Antichrist. He was a longtime State Department uh, official and uh, uh, insider. And uh, he said this. He died, by the way, in 2018. Um, but he said, uh, uh, actually, no, he was a... Uh, yeah, he, was a, he worked for the State Department, that's right. In his book, Rogue State, A Guide to the World's Only Superpower, which came out in 2000, he said, no matter how paranoid or conspiracy-minded you are, what the government is actually doing is worse than you imagine. Now, I understand there are a number of people who will never accept this. They're already gone. They believe what the government says, and you're not going to convince them they'd be fooled. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the people that we can still save. Uh, Voltaire said, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you're not allowed to criticize. So why are Satan's co-conspirators going absolutely apoplectic over anyone who dares to question the facts and science related to the pandemic? Why are they taking the licenses away from doctors, thousands of doctors in Canada, because they're speaking out based on their own private meetings with their patients and the blood work that they're doing, and yet they're, they're not toting the narrative line, so they're taking their license away. Well, here's where it's going with the franchise tyrannies. Just a few headlines. Most U.S. companies will require proof of COVID vaccination from employees. Here's an article from The Hill. Vaccine mandate calls are fueled by COVID-19's latest spike. Read the vaccine's latest spike. Yahoo News says private and public entities that require employees to get a COVID vaccine, and it lists a bunch of them. You should search for that. I don't have time to give you them, but it's all kinds of companies. Here's a story from CNN about Walmart and Walt Disney World. Uh, here's a story that major medical groups call for mandatory vaccinations for all healthcare workers. Indiana is one of 500 universities that's requiring its students to get the vaccine. In New York City, we all heard just recently how you can't go to a Broadway play or eat in any restaurant in the entire New York City. I love New York City. We've been there many times. My dad worked in downtown, downtown Manhattan for six years when I was a boy. We honeymooned there. We love it. Uh, but you can't eat. Anywhere in, 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 I mean, you can get one of those awesome hot dogs from the hot dog vendors, which I love, the kind that just snap when you bite them because they're just so good. But you can't go inside unless you show proof that you've been vaccinated. Here's CNN. These places won't let you inside without proof of vaccination. Another article, New York City COVID vaccine mandate is extended to everybody who works for the city. Did you know that, by the way, that New York City has over 300,000 city employees on the city payroll? Unbelievable. Biden 
it was poised to, uh, to require vaccines for, for federal workers. Well, here's a thought. Before Biden tells me I have to take an experimental bioinjection, what if he first learns how to walk upright a flight of stairs without falling down? Let's try that. The Epic Times has an article, the Department of Justice declares COVID-19 vaccines mandates legal. See, the, the legal precedent has been for years that based on their own language, you cannot require a mandate for an experimental vaccine. Can't do it. It's against the law. So they just have the Justice Department do a little razzle-dazzle, and they come out. We've looked at this, and you know what? We think you can. Well, why would they say that if they weren't planning to do it? California's requiring proof of COVID vaccination for all of its states. Uh, here's uh, the recently disgraced Andrew Cuomo, who says, we must knock on doors, put people in cars, and drive them and get that vaccine in their arm. Here's uh, Cuomo asking businesses to get a vaccine only uh, at uh, you know, to require vaccine for people to be admitted. Uh, here's in our own state. This is just from two days ago. Uh, the Denver uh, uh, director of uh, the public health and environment uh, uh, said Denver is to require COVID vaccines for city employees, teachers, and some private works. Look at the subheadline there. We are not going to mask ourselves, our ways out of this. We're just not going to be able to do it with masks only. Well, apparently... He didn't hear what the CDC director said just last fall. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. He didn't get the memo because he's saying, no, you can't solve it with masks. You got to solve it with vaccines. And then, of course, everyone knows that the Department of Veterans Affairs came out. It was the first federal agency to require their people to do it. Boris Johnson, this is going on all over the world. You can't get into nightclubs and discotheques without taking the vaccine. Here's a 30-second clip from Biden. Thank you. Why not um, push for vaccine mandates in states, private companies, schools? Do you want to see those entities pass vaccine mandates? Well, I, I'd like to see them continue to move in that direction, and that's why I'm... I, pointed out. I had asked the Justice Department to determine whether that is they're able to do that legally. And they can. Local communities can do that. Local businesses can do that. It's still a question whether the federal government can mandate the whole country. I don't know that yet. So it's still a question. We don't know. We don't know if we can go on national TV, address the nation and say this is this pandemic has gotten so bad that everybody must take the vaccine. The troops will be down your street over the next 24 hours. We don't know if he can do that yet. That's what he said. Well, the next day, that was July 29th, July 30th, he came out and said, you know, a national vaccine minute is not under consideration at this time. You have to learn how to read what they say at this time. Uh, here's the uh, current CDC director uh, saying just the opposite of what the previous CDC uh, director said, who in this 26-second clip warns of vaccine mandates. Last question, because I know they're doing it in Europe, but you're not CDC director of Europe, which I'm sure you're plenty happy about. But they, they're issuing health, <laughs> health passes there, right, where, you know, you can go to a disco or a discotheque, as they like to call it there, if you have a, a health pass. Is that something that the CDC would ever lean into or perhaps advise here? You know, I think some communities are doing that, and, and that may very well be, be a path forward. That may very well be a path forward. By the way, I know I'm over time. I'm going to continue for just a few more minutes because I can. Because I'm up here, 
and you're down there, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you need to leave, feel free. It will not hurt my feelings in the least, but I thought I could get this all in, but I've got just a few more things I want to talk about. Um, that same day, she talks about with Brett Baer how we're looking into vaccine mandates, and it created such a stir that by later that night, they came out and tweeted, well, there will be no nationwide mandate. What I was talking about was mandates by private institution and portions of the federal government. In other words, what she's saying is we're going to franchise out the tyranny. They know that in a country like America, if they made a na national announcement that says everyone must get the vaccine or be arrested, it would be civil war instantly. Too many freedom-loving, God-fearing, gun-owning Americans. But what they can do is to make it to where essentially you cannot function if you don't get the vaccine. You can't shop, you can't eat, you can't buy, you can't bank, you can't travel, you can't do anything, right? Uh, here is uh, just this past Monday, August 2nd, the White House briefing from the COVID-19 response team. There's Jeffrey Zentz, who's the leader of it. You see on the screen behind him, piping in from wherever they are, is uh, uh, Fauci and Walensky, the CDC uh, director. And here's what he said just Monday. I watched it. It's time to impose some requirements. Now, I want you to understand the propaganda and how we're moving rapidly into franchise tyranny, where they're going to get everyone to turn on those who believe that this vaccine is dangerous and they refuse to take it. And they're going to make them the bad guy. Here's a montage. Uh, uh, if you watch my Spirit of the Antichrist series, you know we talked about Operation Mockingbird, how all the media, even local media, is just repeating a script. Here's a montage of a variety of uh, news media and even you know press conferences and things like that. And I think it'll be obvious the direction that we're heading when you listen to this. Unvaccinated, this is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. A pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is an epidemic that's occurring in the unvaccinated. We're seeing a pandemic among the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We have a pandemic among non-vaccinated. We've got to shun folks. We've got to shun people into getting vaccinated. We need to shun those that refuse to get vaccinated. The unvaccinated people have put us in the position that we're in now, and it is not a good place. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And they're killing people. Just 36% percent of the people in this county are vaccinated. Oh Every my seat goodness. is full. No social distancing oh, or masks. It's stupid. Dangerous and stupid. You got to start telling people if you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this office or this place of business. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come to work. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this gym. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this, get onto this airplane. If you don't choose to get vaccinated, you may not come to work. You may not have access to a situation where you're going to put my grandchildren in jeopardy, where you might kill them. We're going to do a major vaccination drive for kids 12 years old and up. Grandparents, call your grandkids, tell them they get vaccinated. Put them on a bus and bring them to a mass vaccination center. It has nothing to do with freedom. There's nothing to do with liberty. You don't have the freedom and the liberty to put other people in jeopardy. You really need to get vaccinated. I'm not asking what's in the infusion. I'm not looking up all of the ingredients in the infusion. I am sticking out my arm 
and I am taking the impeachment. Put some rules in place that will demand that people get vaccinated. We tried voluntary. The voluntary phase is over. It's time for mandates because it's the only way to protect our people. Every day, more businesses are implementing their own vaccine mandates. The Justice Department has made it clear that it is legal to require COVID-19 vaccines. And I think a lot of people are going to expect that businesses will be mandating vaccines. It's time for us to reinstate some of these um, masking mandates while in the meantime, ideally aiming for proof of vaccination so that we can really boost our vaccination numbers. It's time to impose some requirements based on the realities of different risks unvaccinated individuals posed versus those who have been vaccinated. You have to have certain rules in a society if we all are going to continue to live and keep each other alive. You cannot be that selfish and, quite frankly, that ignorant. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You have no right not to wear a mask. You have no right to open up your business. Wait, can I stop you? Yeah, no right not to be vaccinated. Meaning, if they decide you have to be vaccinated, we have to be vaccinated? Used to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. That's Alan Dershowitz and his legal opinion. If you if they make it mandate and you refuse, they can apprehend you, handcuff you, take you to the hospital and plunge a needle in your arm. They're already doing this in places like Australia. There's all kinds of use of the military uh, there. Uh, here's a guy who's outside and there's helicopters. Uh, flying overhead with megaphones saying, if you're, you know, you need to go home, you're not social distancing, we will arrest you, go back to your houses. Uh, This is from uh, today, just a few hours ago, I slipped it in here right before we started, someone uh, sent this to me, it's it's evening there in Israel, but the Jerusalem Post is reporting that uh, Israel's uh, COVID cabinet met and is now saying they're going to lock down the nation in two weeks. Wall Street Journal again making who's the who's the target who's the enemy what did we what did the Fox News analysts say to Robert Jefferson the clip we played earlier it's white evangelical Christians who are the problem and then finally I want to just close out with a few more headlines showing the global surveillance grid that is coming remember what Klaus Schwab said the tools of the fourth industrial revolution enable new forms of surveillance and other means of control that run counter to healthy open societies And he talks about how we realize that, but it just can't be helped. Citizens' concerns over privacy and establishing accountability in business and legal structures will require adjustments in thinking. I've talked about Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, big-time Luciferian globalist uh, who died in 2017. And this was from his book, Between Two Ages, way back in 1970, 50 years ago, when he was forecasting what it was going to be like when the Luciferians usher in their one-world system. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen uh, and to maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about that citizen, and these files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. Carol Quigley, uh, in his uh, uh, expose of the CFR and what they were planning, says the individual's freedom and choice will be controlled within very narrow alternatives by the fact that he will be numbered from birth and followed as a number through his educational training, required military or other public service tax contributions, and watch this. This was, you know, back in, you know, the 70s uh, or late 60s, and his health and medical requirements. And so what do we see? We see all these companies coming up with vaccine passports 
that you're going to have to show to do anything, to basically function. In fact, just recently, from July 31st, two American travelers going across the border into Canada were fined $16,000 each because they tried to get through with fake vaccination documents. Right now, it's just your paper card. And that's going to be the problem is that you can fake those. So they need a standardized system. And I believe that within short order, a matter of months probably, they're going to come up with three or four authorized official companies, Microsoft, Apple, whoever, that have uh, authorized apps that you can use to show that, in fact, you've been vaccinated. This is essentially right out of Scripture, the same kind of technology that the Antichrist will use in the future tribulation period. I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast, but it's the same technology accomplishing the same thing that Scripture says is going to be happening during the tribulation period. Who would have thought that we would ever see this kind of picture in America? And by the way, it's not just vaccine passports. They're using technology to track everyone as well with the uh, COVID-19 contact tracing apps. Revelation tells us that the mark of the beast will be necessary so that no one may buy or sell except those who have the mark uh, or the name of the beast. Uh, we talked last time about mask guidance and how that's come back and how that's just psychological warfare. Remember I said it was basically 1957 Biderman's chart of communist coercive methods that the U.S. is using and is on record as using and different news organizations have talked about it. But Biderman has eight steps that we see all of them being rolled out textbook just as they do in various uh, settings. Uh, the social distancing, the using the mainstream media to propagandize, uh, using fear and masks and isolation to physically harm us, the fines and arrests and so forth, uh, occasional indulgences with the stimulus checks. You can uh, go back and read that. But the New York Times, as well as the Daily Mail, uh, back in 08, showed how we were using Biderman's techniques at Gitmo. And when I saw this article in the Daily Mail, uh, which was from uh, July 2nd, 2008, it caught my attention that the prisoners there at Gitmo, what are they wearing? Masks. So I did some more research and went to the Department of Defense to see some other pictures on the Department of Defense U.S. own website of Gitmo prisoners. And yep, they're all wearing masks. Why? Was there a COVID outbreak in 2000? No, no. It's about control. It's about control. It's about control. The physics and biology of viral respiratory diseases proves masks can never work. They're dangerous. I've got over 100 peer-reviewed articles on my website from the last 100 years that show the dangers of wearing masks. Here's one just simple search that I did that shows 47 studies confirm the ineffectiveness of masks for COVID and 32 more confirm their negative effects. Uh, but of course, you know, the New York Times is out there saying vaccine mandates are on the rise and they may have a bigger effect than the mask mandate. Oh, really? I guess he didn't get the memo. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. Do you see how they're lying at every turn just to show you and get you to do what they need you to do? If they want you to, to wear a mask, oh, masks are way better than vaccines. They're more important. You've got to wear them. And I'm the director of the CDC, and I know. A little bit later, if the situation changes and they want everybody to roll their sleeve and take the experimental injection, you know what? Vaccine mandates are good because they're going to have a much better effect than the mask. So there you have it, the great satanic reset. Next week, I want to get into Agenda 2030 
and talk about the Luciferian timetable. I'm not a date setter. I'm not going to tell you the date, but I tell you they're uh, telegraphing and forecasting exactly what they want the timetable uh, to be. So let's uh, let's. That's all I've got for tonight. Thank you for the uh, extra time, 13 minutes by my watch. Uh, I'm happy to answer questions. If anybody would like to stick around for a bit, I'll leave the recording running if there's questions. If you need to slip out, that's perfectly uh, understandable. But anybody have a question tonight? Do you think it's been established enough of why many people do not or shouldn't get the vaccine or are advised against it, like we're learning some of the... the nefarious origins of it. Why does someone who doesn't know much about this uh, would take this with such vigilance of going, I shouldn't get it? Yeah, maybe there are some side effects, but you know, there's side effects with everything we take. So they could, they could, their mindset may be that way. Are you going to get to the point where we're talking about why are they maintaining the, why are the, uh, the governmental sources and powers that be pushing for this mandate? Why are they pushing for the vaccine when you said it's not the virus, it's all about the vaccine? What's the importance of that? Um, so to put it bluntly, it's what we talked about last. So the, the question is, in case it didn't pick up, you're pretty close up front here, so it may have picked you up. But the question is, why are they pushing for the vaccine? What's the importance of this vaccine? It's about a global depopulation agenda. They want to kill people. Remember last week we talked about how they hate God and love death. Satan's a murderer from the beginning. Those who worship Satan are doing his bidding, wanting to kill people. They're on record all over the place that they want to reduce the Earth's population to 500 million. And they want to have a certain percentage of people who are the serfs that are left there to, to, to support them and serve them. But the vast majority of the useless breathers need to be wiped off the face of the earth. That's their agenda. That's not just some, you know, preacher up here ranting. That's on record. I've written about it. I've talked about it. Spirit of the Antichrist talks about it. So this is a, I'm not saying it's the kill shot, but it is a kill shot. And it is absolutely dangerous. They know that it's dangerous. There's smoking gun evidence that it's dangerous. If you look at the patents, they've, they've planned it. They've, you know, there've been whistleblowers. This is not something that just happened to leak from a sandwich in some market in Wuhan and all of a sudden everybody's, you know, having this virus. No, no, this was a deliberately uh, biological weapon that messes with your DNA. So that's why they want to do it. That's, that should, it should be self-evident because you know, why do they need to coax people into taking If there was an existential threat and people were really dying right and left, man, people would, would be loving to take this fact. They would be crying out for it. But in America, where we still have some modicum of free speech, people see the truth and they say, no way, no way. Yeah? Someone said that infertility it causes is also going to cause a lot of depopulation in the future. Yeah. So Jason pointed out that infertility, which I touched on just briefly during some of the, uh, the section on the bio uh, weapon injection, uh, but infertility is a huge part of it. A lot of doctors on record talking about what this does to male and female uh, sterilization. And I, I don't, I mean, I think we're going to know a lot more in six to eight months. Now, they're not putting all their eggs in this basket there. As we see, they're going to go for a total uh, tyrannical lockdown. Um, I can't, you know, I'm not a prophet. I can't prove it. I, I've, I've learned a long time ago not to try to predict what the Luciferian elite do because they always do some head fakes and you just never know. But um, my best guess is they want to, that at some point there's going to be a national uh, address from the president 
In fact, I was listening to somebody yesterday who has a source inside the White House, works directly inside the White House, and they said that the White House has instructed the speechwriters to begin working on a speech uh, for Biden to deliver on national TV in the evening uh, that will announce nationwide lockdowns. And they don't know the timing yet, but they said, be ready. And that when he gives it, this is from the, the source inside the White House, uh, when he gives it, they want it to be, quote, as somber and serious as the speech that George W. gave the night of 9-11 from the Oval Office. And they say, they say probably before August 15th. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've heard that. I've heard people saying it could come as soon as August 15th. I don't know. I, my gut tells me it's going to take longer. Um, but I do think it's coming fast. But they've got to hype it up first. They've got to hype it up. That's why we see data points like the one from Israel tonight where they're saying in two weeks they're going to lock down the country. We're seeing this. It's happening. But here's my best guess. I know I want to get to your questions in a second. I haven't forgotten that. <laughs> so my best guess is they're going to do a lockdown. Americans, particularly in the red states, are going to absolutely protest peacefully, like good Christian protesters do, <laughs> and say, we're not doing it. We're not locking down. Sorry. And then they're going to stage a fall. I, this is my total Per conjecture, I could be completely wrong, but from you know years of studying the Luciferians, it's an educated guess. Uh, I think they're going to stage a false flag attack uh, in which you know, hundreds of people are killed. They're going to blame it on the anti-vaxxers, probably at some kind of a hospital or medical institution. Of course, since it's a false flag, the networks will be already aware of it, and they'll be ahead, there ahead of time to be right in the right spot with all their camera crews to show all the blood and guts. And that's going to cause America to just absolutely fall over in uh, a cry to get rid of their guns. It's exactly what happened in New Zealand, by the way, not too long ago. And um, so then the vast majority of Americans will then give up their guns at the gun confiscation drills. There will still be a, a good number of patriotic Americans who believe in the Constitution that don't do it, and that's going to cause civil war. That's the way I see it playing out. I think this is what they've wanted all along. They want to bring down America. They've got to bring down America. I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime, but boy, if I had to guess, I'd say it's coming not only in our lifetime, but, you know, very soon. Becky. So let me, let, me, let me repeat that before your question for people to hear. So she was talking about how you have access and, and, and encourage people to, to print out stuff from the Internet because it's going to not be available for much long, longer. So don't rely on the Internet. I think I heard you. Is that the gist of what you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, print it, buy books, because we can't rely on the Internet. That's going to be part of this plan as well. She referenced Dr. Joseph Mercola who just yesterday announced that, uh, that's where I got the quote from, I quoted him earlier, in the, very early on in the uh, message tonight. But he, he was one of the dirty dozen that Biden announced are misinformation agents, along with, you know, Ty and Charlene Bollinger, um, help me out, who are some of, who? Uh, you guys that follow this stuff know, but. I think Simone Gold was on there, who else? Oh, Lee Merritt. 
uh, several others, uh, Mercola, but he was number one on the list. And they have attacked him relentlessly and just basically destroyed his life. And he's had a website for 25 years that has tens of thousands of documented articles and information uh, that is so helpful. And he announced yesterday he's having to take it all down. He's going to keep his site up, and, but only put stuff up for 48 hours and then take it down. But all the stuff that's there now is coming down. So, yeah, well, your question. It's bizarre watching it. Somebody hacked it while it was in there. It happened before the 48 hours. It's, it's gone, pretty much. It's already gone, it's yeah. Already gone. Yeah, so the question is, what do we do? That, uh, Becky told an encounter she had with someone, a neighbor they were getting to know, and they were going to meet in the park and let the kids hang out. And then when the neighbor found out that they were unvaccinated, they literally took a step back and was like, we don't have anything to do with you. So what do you do in situations like that? How far should we go in trying to educate our friends and family and relatives? Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's brother against brother, and, and it's, it's prophetic uh, things right before our very eyes. Um, I think it depends on the situation. Um, my experience is most people are not teachable. It's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. I believe there's too much urgency right now. There's too much going on in my life and my family's life and, and what we see coming down the pike. I don't have time to arm wrestle people who are blinded and are not going to see like Leonardo da Vinci said. There are those who see, there are those who see when they're shown, and there are those who don't see. And if they're in that third category, I wouldn't waste your time. It's too important. You love them, and you pray for them, and you might give them something, but you can't, you can't argue them into reality if they are believing a false reality. But, I mean, are we at the place where, like, you don't offer up information anymore? Oh, because of our own safety? Yeah. So are you at the place uh, where we don't offer up information because it might target us? They already know. They already know who's on the list and who's not. It's not, it's not, that's not going to affect anything. When they get ready, if we're right and it becomes mandated, if, like they're talking about doing, we don't know, but if they do, uh, then it's not going to matter. They know. They know who you are. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I hear so many people say, oh, I, I wish that people would get up and fight. And everybody says it, but nobody does it. And you look at European countries, now granted, I know our country is so much larger than Europe. You know, the state of France is as big as New York State. Right. But you do see tens of thousands of people getting together. Have you, in all your research, because I research a lot too and I haven't seen it, are there groups that are preparing? Like I think about Glenn Beck years ago when he did that massive, massive rally in D.C. And I think it was hundreds of thousands of people showed up to that. Why? Are people like yourself and those of us here not orchestrating this? Why are there not more rallies and more yeah. big groups uh, standing up? Because when they do that, they get hauled off to dungeon prisons with yeah. no lawyer, no rights, no nothing, and treated like the prisoners in Gitmo. 
That's what happened with a lot of the January 6th people. Stuff that would be misdemeanor disorderly conduct in any other world was treated as a federal offense and people to this day are still in prison because of it. It's fake. The whole thing was provocateur. It was all the FBI agents that did it. They let them in. I mean, we don't have to get into that whole thing. But I think people are rightly afraid. I mean, not afraid in the sense of ultimately we know fear is not of the Lord, but you know, I, I have a family. I have six kids and a grandchild. I don't want to be taken out uh, you know, into prison somewhere where I can't provide for them and help them. So you have to be wise, and it's just they're not going to do it. They, they, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's just not enough people you can trust in positions of power to count on the legal system protecting you, even though it should. But I learned a long time ago it's not about the laws. It's about who enforces the laws. And, uh, you know, like I was talking to someone the other day, uh, if you go, you know, since all these stores are now requiring masks again, and many of them will be added to that list in the next week or two, uh, you know, do you fight that? You know, what if you go in and the person at the door says, you can't come in without a mask? You know, do you say, well, I'm coming in anyway, call the police. You think that policeman's going to side with you? The policeman's going to just put you in cuffs and take you down or to write you a citation or demand that you leave or you're going to, I mean, you're not going to be able to argue constitutional law with a beat cop in the moment. So we're right. We're on the right side. The Constitution's on our side. The Bible's on our side. But, I mean, what do you do? It's not, it's not an easy battle to fight. So I think we're past the point of uh, reform. I mean, I, I hate to say that. I think, based on everything I'm seeing, um, uh, uh, I guess I'll put this screen up since this is what we're talking about. You saw what we're going to do next week. But I think we're at the point now where it's about survival. It's about being wise. It's about being prepared for what could be coming. And, uh, and then trusting God to protect us. So, yeah. One more thing that, I mean, I've thought about it for a long time, but it was on Steve Quell tonight. The next thing that's going to happen is, the, and I do, I already understand this. We, unvaccinated, will not have medical care. Right. And so everybody better figure out how to take care of yourself. And, you know, that's going to be the way it is. You're not going to have medical care. Right. Yeah. So I know people that are very afraid of that, that are concerned that, uh, you know, if they say you can't have, you know, Medicare or whatever without the vaccine, what do I do? Well, yeah, I don't go to the doctor anyway. Uh, my last trip to the doctor, I asked my doctor uh, last fall when I went in uh, for a checkup and he asked about if I want to be vaccinated. And I said, no, I don't. He said, why not? And I said, well, I don't want to put aborted babies in my system. And then his first response was, why? Are you Catholic? That's what he said. And I, I was kind of shocked by that. And I said, no, I just don't believe in putting aborted baby parts in my body. I mean, I mean, why, why would you say, why would you say that? So he, he acknowledges doctors that know, they know this is happening. Uh, most people just don't know. Uh, so, but I, I, I mean, obviously, if it was a life-threatening thing, we'd have no choice but to go to the doctor. But, you know, we a long time ago have prepared, and we have, we can. With, with, with what if there's no doctor? What if there's no dentist? Those are great books to have in your library. Uh, uh, we have surgical kits. I mean, you know, you can do a lot if if you have to. You can do a lot if you have to. We have sterilized surgical kits. I would recommend getting that. Uh, if you how do you stitch up a Thing. We're so conditioned to just hop in the car and go to the nearest urgent care, but you can do a lot on your own if you have to. Any anybody else? Yeah. So you showed a, uh, I think it was last week. You showed and a couple of times. You showed the uh, 
nationalism, and then we're on the two of point back to globalism. And in you know at the beginning of the tribulation, there are there's a Western alliance and a Northern alliance. Do you think if we go into globalism now, do you think that it will revert uh, for a very short period of time back to nationalism or those alliances? So the question is about this chart that I showed a couple of times, showed it tonight earlier that you see now on the screen. And we know that according to prophecy, after the rapture, there's going to be uh, uh, the battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 37 and 38. Is that right? 38 and 39. Anyway, my mind is fried tonight. Uh, I mean, I've taught Gog and Magog for 30 years, but suddenly I can't remember exactly the chapters. But anyway... Um, uh, so well, does that mean that for a period of time we're going to revert back to nationalism? Well, there's some crossover in terminology between globalism and nationalism. Because even in the eternal state in the kingdom, there will be nations that each nation will come up to Jerusalem and, and serve. And so, but it will be a one world leader. So you can have a one world system, and you will, with multiple nations, but they will just be under the authority of the one world government, the UN or whatever it is at that time. And so uh, I don't think they're mutually exclusive in the, in the practical sense. It's just a matter of who rules. When I talk about nationalism, I don't mean, or, or globalism, I don't mean no nations. I mean no national sovereignty during the globalist phase of God's plan. Yeah, you, so the question is, when there's those battles that, for example, Gog and Magog and Daniel 11 type wars, will those constitute civil war? I mean, I guess, technically speaking, you could claim that, but civil war normally has the connotation of a united group that has disunity and comes against each other. Under that, it's a tyrannical system, not a united system. It's a tyrannical system, and it's going to be a top-down leadership, and they're going to demand it. And you may have some rebels who say, no, we don't want you you know, leading us, Mr. Antichrist or whoever it is. So we're going to rebel. So you may have that kind of thing uh, going on. Did, yes? This is all very scary and very depressing. <laughs> Can you leave us and remind us of the hope that we have that strengthens us? Yeah, so as we talked about, we know who wins in the end. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we, we do have a duty to, to have knowledge, to be prepared, to see what's coming. A wise man sees trouble coming and uh, prepares for it. So I would say, first of all, everybody needs to make sure they get their spiritual house in order. Uh, everybody listening to the sound of my voice needs to make sure they've had a time in their life when they place their first personal trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Him alone, as the only one who can forgive sin and give them the gift of eternal life, period. That's the gospel. You're right, all this is bad news, right? But there is good news. The ultimate good news is that God wins and that Jesus has already defeated death, hell, Satan, the grave, and he offers that life that he purchased with his own blood to anyone who will simply receive him for it. If you think that somehow your own good works, your own behavior, your own connections, your own church attendance, your own baptism, your own religious heritage, any of that is somehow going to give you merit before a holy God when you meet your maker, you are sorely mistaken. Because the Bible says we're all sinners, born sinners, born dead in our trespasses and sins, and we need a Savior. That's the whole purpose of the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. God 
sent his son to the earth to save mankind from their sin because you can't save yourself. And that needs to be priority number one. So if you're listening and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you're trusting in anything else to get you to heaven, your faith is misplaced. And right now you need to trust in Jesus. You don't have to walk an aisle, sign a card, do a dance. You just have to place your faith in Jesus. And you can do that even right now while I'm talking. And once you've done that, then from a spiritual perspective, we become part of the family of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just passing through. Our whole perspective changes. And yes, it's depressing. Yes, it's uh, bad news. And yes, we're worried about it. And we do need to take practical measures to protect ourselves and our family. But we know that for 2,000 years, many Christians before us have suffered unspeakable atrocities. And God you know, has not promised that we won't have to do the same. Paul said, whoever desires to live godly will suffer persecution. So it's all about uh, getting your spiritual house in order by faith. And then, uh, and then from that point, trusting God and making wise preparation. So thank you for that reminder. Uh, yes? I think if we all remember Ephesians 6, where it talks about putting on the full armor of God, this is when we have to do that. We've got to know God's word, be in God's word. Remember, he's our strength and he's our mind. So go back and read Ephesians 6, and it will just be yeah, so great reminder that about Ephesians 6. This is a ultimately a spiritual battle, as I prayed about at the opening tonight, that this battle has been raging for 6,000 years. From time to time, it breaks through the unseen realm into the seen realm. And right now, it's breaking through with major, major, in major ways. And so, but ultimately, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And so we need to be prepared spiritually, as we were just talking about. So let's wrap for tonight, and uh, thanks for your involvement. Uh, thanks those of you that have been watching online, and we will post this hopefully later uh, tonight, and then look forward next week uh, to kind of building the case even further as we talk about the Luciferian timetable and Agenda uh, 2030. So thank you guys, and God bless.